everyone. Welcome to Crime Colts and Coffee. I'm Bryn. First things first, did you know that on Friendly's menu, there is an ice cream sundae called Happy Ending? <laughs> because until I went to Friendly's with my friends Amanda and Kaylee the other day, I had no idea that this titled sundae existed on their menu. Please tell me if we're the only ones who found this a little bit odd funny but odd and we were like imagine there's a 40 year old man or something out there in the world being like I got my first happy ending at friendlies it's just so strange but Amanda was so mind blown that she ended up ordering it off the menu which was even funnier in itself really weird off-topic conversation but that happened and that was realized. I don't know if this has existed for years and I'm just noticing it now even though I've been going to Friendly's pretty much my whole life or if this is a new thing. But something again that was not only hilarious but just really odd and almost creepy at the same time. So thoughts, questions, concerns, throw them my way. Aside from that, this week I have a new kick that I've been in. This is pretty much me every week aside from watching the blacklist because I'm still doing that. I have been in a Twilight binge for some reason. It started the other day when there was the torrential thunderstorms and downpouring going on in my area and I went home with the craving to just curl up in some sweats on my couch and watch Twilight. So in one night, I watched Twilight and New Moon, and then I've been slowly, because I've been tired the past couple days, so I keep having to rewind shit, I've been slowly watching Eclipse. And yes, I have seen this saga before. I used to be a diehard Twilight fan. Team Edward, Team Jacob? I was Team Edward. Let me know what you were. If you watched the saga anyway, I know there's a bunch of people out there who feel the Twilight series was a load of shit, but I was very, very, very into the books before I saw the movies, and then I was very into the movies at one point, and honestly, it's been so nostalgic and nice re-watching them. They still hold up for me, I feel. I'm definitely more of a Harry Potter girl, but I love myself some Twilight. Aside from that, I have not really been watching any new shows, pretty much the same series that I've mentioned in pat the past couple weeks, the past couple episodes. Podcast-wise, same thing. I've just been in my steady kick of the podcast that I mentioned over the last couple weeks. And book-wise, I should have some new book recommendations, if they're good, for you this weekend because I am going to be spending my weekend on a beach which means lots of beach reads, and I'm hoping I can get through maybe a book a day. So we will see. I will let you know from there. Ooh, ooh, bouncing off of Twilight, I have one more recommendation. And this is out of the norm because I never recommend a specific album of music. If you have not ever heard the New Moon soundtrack, it's available on Spotify, and I used to have it on CD. Highly recommend... Even though it's from the Twilight series, even if you're not a Twilight fan, this album is so good. All the music on it is just incredible. Give that a listen. That is my that is my other recommendation for this week. Apart from that, let's review some coffee. So for today's coffee review, I am drinking 
a cold brew extra strong organic coffee and it says straight black from the company called the wandering bear yes i am drinking coffee yes i am drinking it straight black but no i'm not drinking the whole thing because the past two days i've had really really bad acid reflux little tmi but i am drinking like a quarter glass worth and it is absolutely delicious especially for a cold brew and especially for a straight black cold brew this does not need any sugar at all it even says on the packaging which is a really cute package it has like a resealable lid and it's almost like a little cardboard container it says no sugar on the packaging but it does not need it whatsoever at first i thought it was a tiny bit bitter but i think that was just me drinking black coffee within the first couple sips i quickly got accustomed to the taste and i think it is such a good cold brew It'd probably be even better if you wanted to add your own cold foam or own milk alternative or flavoring to it. I feel like this is the type of cold brew that really you can add anything to and it would just accentuate how good it is. It says actually that their cute little cap is made out of sugar cane, so it's not plastic. And if you want to check them out, this was not sent to me, so I won't go into detail in their about me, but I will give you their website so you can take a look at their coffee or order some for yourself. It is wanderingbearcoffee.com. I think this is a very smooth, nice tasting cold brew. I think even though it says it's strong and I haven't gotten to see the after effects yet, if it's actually that strong, as I mentioned, it is delicious. It is flavorful on its own. And I really, really enjoy this coffee. I will definitely be getting it again. And probably next time putting my own little cold foam on top because I'm definitely a cold foam kind of girl. This was really easy to also pour over ice, which is what I did. So hopefully throughout the episode, you don't hear a little ice clinking in the glass. I think I would rate this one probably between an 8, 8.5 just because it is a plain, non-flavored coffee. And I tend to go higher with those. But also at the same time, because it is one that I just picked up from the store on a whim, for that type of coffee, that's what I would rate it. In comparison to a local coffee roaster or coffee shop, because everyone knows I love those as well, I'd probably rate this one a 7, 7.5. So depending against the coffee shops and fresh coffee, 7, 7.5. And on its own for a store-bought coffee, 8, 8.5, if that makes sense. Now, let's jump into today's episode. So grab your coffee and have a morning with us. For this week's episode, I decided that I still needed something a bit on the lighter side as compared to true crime and the horrific stories that are told on this podcast. So although I did cover stories about cryptids last week... I decided that I was going to make this week's episode a Haunted Places episode. I believe I also haven't done any Haunted Places since Kelsey was with me on the podcast, so I thought I would throw that in for a a nice spooky start to this holiday weekend. The first Haunted Place that I am going to be talking about is called the Carl Beck House. Every time I say Carl, I think of Coral 
from The Walking Dead and how people make fun of Rick saying it. The Carl Beckhouse. A little bit of background. This is also known as the Beck House or the Beck Mansion. It's located in Penetanguishene in Simcoe County, Ontario, Canada. It's one of the oldest buildings in the area and has the only slate roof in town. In 1885, it was built by Carl Beck. He was in the lumber business and was one of the richest lumber merchants in the area at that time. From 1892 to 1895, Carl Beck was the mayor of Penetanguishene. In 1903, he also bought the first car in town, which was an Oldsmobile, and the home itself is a Victorian-style home, also described as a quote-unquote Queen Anne revival structure. As it goes with these haunted places, there are some legends attached to the home, Carl Beck lived with his family in the home, which included his wife and nine children. He and his family were considered one of the town's quote-unquote founding families. At some point, his wife sadly died, and his oldest daughter named Mary then had to care for the children. Two of the children had also passed. I'm not sure if this was before or after Mary started caring for them, but eventually Mary left the home and started a family of her own. Also at some point, Carl passed away, and in his will, he split everything between his children except for Mary. He left one dollar to Mary. To this day, Mary is said to haunt the house out of anger over her one dollar inheritance. And some of that information within that legend is accurate, like the number of children in their home, and that Mary had a care for the children after their mother passing, but because it's legend, we don't know how true it is that he only left her a dollar, and that she haunts this house because of it. Although, girl, I totally get if you did. Some legends also say that there is a portal within the home. And on to what you've all been waiting for, the haunted happenings. The owner has said that as many as 18 spirits reside within the home. Aside from Mary, Beck's wife, and other two children that passed have been reported to be the most frequently seen and or heard spirits. Lights flicker, doors close on their own, people have reported hearing strange noises and sounds of voices. Smells of cigar smoke are in some of the rooms, and there's no explanation for it. Either you're in the room and it suddenly happens, or it's kind of like a residual effect within a room and no one can explain how or why there is cigar smoke. Objects move around on their own. Those who have slept there have even said that after getting into bed that they felt a tug on their blankets. Some think that this could be Mary tucking them in. Some say that they've heard female voices quote-unquote shooing them away or telling them to leave. Dark shadows or other apparitions have been reported to be seen in the hallways. Footsteps have also been heard. And some of these experiences have allegedly been caught on camera by paranormal researchers. According to thetravel.com, quote, Canadian writer Deborah Schneider, that's a tongue twister, 
Reported recording disembodied heartbeats and breathing on an EVP during an overnight stay. The silhouette of a female has been seen standing in a top floor window, and this spirit just stares down at people. Those who have come close to her have said that she seems angry and hostile. She whispers at those who pass and has even been said to tug people's hair. I don't like that. Some of the ghosts have also allegedly been seen outside of the house on Church Street. This street is adjacent to the home, and these ghosts that are seen on the street have been described as quote-unquote Victorian women, and they have been seen walking along the street. Today, the home is privately owned, and it's split up into apartments where people permanently reside. It is considered one of the most haunted places in Ontario, Canada. In some articles I came across, it's been listed as one of the most haunted places in the world. However, if interested, you can rent a top-floor apartment in the home through Airbnb. And as per a 2022 article, there are two apartments available for rent, although other articles state only apartment 302. So a little bit of deferring information there, but at least one apartment is available for rent in this haunted home. So if you want to check out the Carl Beck house, go for it. Take a little trip to Canada, stay a while or stay a weekend and see what hauntings happen to you. Moving on to our next haunted place, I decided to keep this week's haunted places episode within the same country, so we are staying within Canada, and this haunted place is called the Fairmont Banff Springs Hotel. A little bit of background, it's also known as the Castle of the Rockies, and this place is absolutely incredibly gorgeous you have to take stop and take a look at pictures of this because it's beyond beautiful. It's located in Banff, Alberta, Canada. In 1888, it was built by the Canadian Pacific Railway, or the CPR. It was originally a quote-unquote wooden structure, and it was built in order to accommodate people traveling along the CPR. So, as mentioned in other Haunted Places episodes before, This was built to accommodate, not only accommodate, but to present a first-class hotel, a first-class place of stay for those traveling along the railway. It's known as one of the most scenic and haunted hotels in Canada. It overlooks mountaintops and is surrounded by lakes and wilderness, To be honest, I think I need at some point in my lifetime to make a trip to this hotel specifically, not only to visit Canada, but like this place is beyond. It's extraordinary. In 1926, a secret room was discovered within the hotel after there had been a massive fire there. Apparently, during original construction, an oopsie had been made by the contractor And a room with no windows or doors had been built. Sounds very H.H. Holmes, but the owner of the hotel was said to not even have a clue about this. Anyways, more on this room later. 
The original building actually had to be completely reconstructed due to the fire. The design was then somewhat Scottish castle-inspired, with stone walls and towers. In the 1930s, the hotel became a popular spot to stay, and lots of celebrities and royalty made their way to the Banff Springs Hotel. The hotel currently has 768 rooms, although some articles say that some have been boarded up or suggest that they're not all in use. Moving on to the hauntings, there's room 873, and reportedly in this room a family had been murdered, and some versions say that it was a murder-suicide. At some point, bricks were put over the door for it to blend in with the hallway, and what are thought to be spirits of the family have been seen outside of this room. In many reports, it also stated that the hotel will completely deny the claims of the hauntings of room 873 or deny the murder or murder-suicide that potentially took place there. And then some articles say that they kind of play into this and some staff members will talk to guests about it. So again, deferring stories with if this murder actually happened and if this now covered up room was actually haunted. There is also a story of a bride. Some versions suggest that she was from the 1920s or 1930s and was to be married at the hotel. The most common story says that the woman had been walking up the hotel staircase when her dress caught fire on candles that had been on the stairs. She became panicked and fell down the stairs, sadly dying from a broken neck. Other versions say that her heel got caught on a banister, causing her to fall, or that she tripped on the hem of her dress. Some guests have said that they've seen a ghost in a wedding gown, and some of these stories also claim that they saw her dancing in the ballroom. Both guests and staff have come forward with these stories. In some cases, flames could be seen on her dress. Other times, the bride is spotted on the staircase, and there have also been reports of weird noises coming from the bridal suite within the hotel, but no one is found to be in there. However, there was no elaboration on these noises, so I don't know what is specifically heard coming from that bridal suite, but either way, that is pretty freaking creepy. There is also the ghost of Sam McCauley, who was a bellman that worked at the hotel in the 1960s and or 70s. Some articles say that he was actually the lead bellhop of the hotel. He's said to be the most popular of the spirits that reside within the Banff Springs Hotel. Allegedly, he once said, quote, when he retired that he would come back and, quote-unquote, take care of guests for all of eternity. And that was a quote from narcity.com. 1975 was when some articles stated that he died. It is not known whether he actually died within the hotel, but his spirit still resides there, or at least visits, or it's some kind of residual energy. A lot of the time he's seen on the ninth floor, as well as the sixth and seventh, he has also been seen on the mezzanine floor in what is now a guest room, 
but this room used to be his old office. Guests have seen him in his uniform from the 1960s, and not only that, but in some cases he helped, quote, guests enter locked rooms, turn on room lights, or helped with carrying bags, and that was a quote from hauntedrooms.com. And this is another long quote right now from historichotels.org regarding one specific experience. Quote, One famous tale involved two women who called upon the front desk for service after their guest room key would not work. When the regular bellhop did not respond for 15 minutes, the two women walked back to their guest room defeated. But then... Another hotel employee, matching Sam's description, approached their door, who proceeded to unlock it. The bellhops staffing the front desk that night were stunned to learn that a figure had manifested to help the two women. However, in regards to this bellhop named Sam, he will apparently disappear if you try to tip him or try to talk to him but he is said to be very sweet, very kind, and very helpful. Apparitions are also seen in the hallways, and some have been reportedly seen outside of what was the quote-unquote secret room. There is a bartender spirit. This apparition will talk to guests and staff, and apparently he or she has told guests to go to bed, or that they've drank too much. (laughs) There's also an apparition of a man playing bagpipes. Not only that, but this guy is skilled because he reportedly does this, but has no head. Pillows have been pulled out from under the heads of guests while sleeping, which I do not like one freaking bit. And I don't like this part as well. There have been guests that have been reportedly pushed off the bed. Guests that stayed in one room in specific have reported being woken up by screams. That is so freaking horrifying. If I were woken up by horrific screams, I would probably not only pee my pants, but I would be so absolutely terrified to ever sleep again, I think. Obviously, I would assume the worst. Anyway, when they turned on the lights, some allegedly saw bloody handprints on the mirror. In some versions, the handprints disappeared before staff could even see them, and in others, the handprints would not come off the mirror at all. This specific information regarding this room was hinted to be room 873 while it was available to stay in. It wasn't specified, but certain details made me lean towards thinking that. There are specific quote-unquote haunted rooms, according to staff, so maybe if you plan on staying there and want a potential haunting, ask for one of those. And that is all the information that I have for the Fairmont Banff Springs Hotel, again located in Banff, Alberta, Canada, So make sure to check that out, if not online, in person. It's, again, breathtaking, and I'm sure the stay is just as much of an experience, according to these tales. 
I think the craziest thing about that one is not only did they uncover a freaking secret room that was built there unbeknownst to anyone by this contractor, but then they pretty much created a secret room later on with this room 873 that they wanted to board up and blend within this hallway wall. It's just crazy that both of those things happened within this hotel. So bouncing off of this hotel and in specific the bloody handprints on the mirror, I wanted to connect my own listener story slash Kelsey and Carson and my cousin Brian, their listener stories to this episode just because it really reminded me of that even though it's not exactly the same. I don't know if Kelsey and I had ever told this story on here before, but it was creepy in the moment slash fucking funny as hell, so I am going to tell this story for you guys. This occurred years back near Asbury Park, New Jersey, and we were there for my aunt's wedding, and we stayed over the night before her wedding as well as the night of her wedding. I know Kelsey has told the story before of her and Carson the night of my aunt's wedding getting pulled off the bed and pulled down the bed at the Berkeley in Asbury Park. So this was a separate situation the night before and I wanted to make sure I got all the details correct so I asked Kelsey to send me a quick little summary of what her and Carson had experienced first before I dive into my part of the story. Before I get into what she sent me, the gist was we were staying at this hotel the night before. It was not the Berkeley, as I mentioned. It was a separate hotel in a separate location. I don't even, it was probably like 20 minutes, 15 minutes outside of Asbury. And me, Carson, and Kelsey were supposed to stay there the night before. And I was meeting them there with my cousin, Brian. They got there ahead of us and were basically like, what the fuck, we can't stay here. (laughs) So this is what they walked into. I'm going to say verbatim now the text from Kelsey. Okay, so basically it was on the second level and when we got off the elevator and realized where our room was, it ended up being outside so you could see every other room on the floor if that makes sense. People were staring at us from across the hallway before we walked into our room. Then we opened the door and didn't realize anything was fucked up until we realized there was something that looked like splattered blood on the walls and sheets. Then we went into the hallway where the bathroom was and there was quote-unquote Satan written in green crayon on the wall in little kid handwriting. So we then walked back to the main living area and saw that all the lampshades were busted like someone got into a fight And that was all we needed to get the fuck out of there. In reference to this story now, we literally refer to this as the murder room or the horror night because they had walked in on this to these blood, what looked like bloodstains, handprints on the walls, Satan written on the wall, lampshades busted in like there was a fight whatever. So then they ended up calling me and Brian, like I said, Brian and I were on our way over there and they were like, we are absolutely not staying at this hotel. And I think it was something like the Hampton Inn or something like that. 
and you will that will be important <laughs> in a few minutes. So Brian and I show up at the hotel because from there we were going to book a different hotel to go to and Carson and Kelsey went and asked for their money back, of course. So on the way there, first of all, Brian puts the wrong thing in his GPS, like it was supposed to be road instead of street or vice versa. And we end up, it says you arrived at your destination and we're in this cul-de-sac in front of a, a regular house and we were like, this is not right. So already there, we're like, are we in the fucking twilight zone? It was such a long night already. Then we end up pulling up to this hotel, and I seriously still have videos of this on my phone. We pull up to this hotel after already knowing the situation from Carson and Kelsey, and there's this just flickering streetlight in front of the hotel near the parking space where we parked. It looked like a horror film. It was strobing and just creepy as fuck. So Carson and Kelsey had said, oh, we're parked near the creepy light. So that's where Brian and I pulled into. So there's this car there and I was like, oh, that must be them. The car looked a lot like Kelsey's. I'm blind as a bat at night, but the car looked a lot like Kelsey's and the license plate at that time said Pennsylvania. So I was like, oh, this must be Kelsey's car. So I'm like, okay, Brian, I'm going to get out of the car and be like really fucking weird at their window since this is a weird situation. So I get out of the car and I walk up to the window, weirdly look in the window and say something like, thank you for staying at the Hampton Suites or at the Hampton Inn, whatever it was, as this light is strobing. And as I finish the sentence, I realize it's this random woman sitting in her fucking car So I run back to Brian's car and at that moment, Kelsey and Carson, I think, were calling us to be like, what are you doing? Because they saw me walking up to this random woman's car. So this is what I said in regards to that to Kelsey today because Brian and I were just crying, laughing. And Kelsey and I were obviously reminiscing about this situation. And I was like, that night was wild. And she's like, I just can't get over watching you and Brian at the car that wasn't mine. And I said, neither could we. We were crying and open mouth laughing, just staring at each other for a solid amount of time. What a night. So we were just cracking up over this because it was a creepy situation. And long story short, we ended up going to another hotel and there was a situation there that was not as creepy, but a bit strange because when we pulled up the room that was supposed to be ours the curtain was moving back and forth like someone was moving it and it was just really weird and I have a thing with sleeping in first floors of hotel rooms and when we pulled up at first it looked like a one floor motel and I was kind of in panic mode like will this night ever end but it all worked out great we made it to my aunt's wedding the next day it was a horror-filled freaking night but it was really funny looking back at it and really interesting weekend so just wanted to relay that story some of you might be like why is she droning on and on by now maybe you thought it was funny maybe you thought it wasn't but it was creepy it happened and I just connected it in relation to the bloody handprints found in this hotel room not that we heard a horrifying scream thank god but I just thought it was very similar to the situation described. So that's my listener story and Kelsey's listener story, and I hope you enjoyed. So without further ado, into the spiely I go. 
You can find Crime Cults and Coffee on Instagram. That's where I post the pictures of coffee reviewed. Any of the past coffees, past episodes are located in the highlights along with important information, merch information, and really cool listener reposts. The link tree in the bio has most of the listening platforms that Crime Colts and Coffee is on. If you go to Facebook at Crime Colts and Coffee, that's where I put any resources, photos, links, calls to action, etc. I've been a little behind on that. It's really been difficult to keep up with everything, but I'm trying and I promise I will get caught up on that. I'm almost caught up on Instagram posts, which I'm very proud of, and I'm working on trying to be consistent once I'm caught up on everything. Again, as mentioned, as always, if the episode you're listening to contains a call to action or important information in regards to a missing person or a case that's unsolved, Those calls to action will always be provided in the show notes as well. If you go to where you're listening to the episode and look at the description, it is in that portion of the episode, usually towards the bottom of the description. If you have a listener story or a case suggestion, you can email me at crimecoltsandcoffee at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at crimecoltsandcoffee. As always, those are greatly appreciated. I have my long list of case suggestions that I'm slowly working my way through, but listener stories, I need more of those. And also, send some listener art my way. I am not hating it. I am absolutely loving it, and I haven't received any cryptids yet from last week, so go for it. If you like this podcast, enjoy listening, spread word of mouth, and if you're able to, you can leave a rate and review. Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, I know you can leave rate and reviews there. I will send you some free stickers, and if you're unable to leave a rate or review or just simply don't want to, on any listening platform of your choice, you can like, you can follow, you can subscribe, and that will let you know when new episodes come out each week. And aside from that, go on to Spotify or some music platform, whatever you listen to, Pandora, whatnot, Go on there and play the New Moon Twilight album. Go for it. Enjoy your weekend, and if you're celebrating Independence Day, 4th of July in the U.S., your holiday weekend. Until next week. Bye. regarding this case and our resources follow us at crime cults and coffee on instagram and facebook